Winona Forever is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head on over to cageclub.me. Hi, I'm Lindsay Gibb. And I'm Rekha Tulsaram. And this is Winona Forever. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Uh, Hello. so this is the Reality Bites episode, which I am happy that I get to, uh, introduce because, uh, this is, I think, my movie. I feel like this is the movie that I've been, like, the most excited to be able to do. But before I introduce the movie, I'm going to introduce a guest that we have. Um, we have Allison Lang today. Woo! Hey, Allison. Hi, guys. I was going to ask you how you want to be introduced, but maybe you could introduce yourself. <laughs> Tell us about yourself. <laughs> Tell us about yourself, Allison. Who are you? Um, my name is Allison. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I'm a Taurus. Ooh. Um, I I like Winona Ryder too. <laughs> um, my favorite fruit is pomegranate. <laughs> this um, is an amazing introduction. This this is like a dating profile. <laughs> um, I'm currently sitting next. To my dog, who's Sweet. sleeping under a desk. She's a little freaked out because it's thundering so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, Lindsay and I share the same former job. Yep. Uh, of editor at Broken Pencil Magazine. <laughs> yep. We worked together. Um, I know Chris and Rekha through Broken Pencil as well. Yes, um, and Rekha, Allison, and I were going to start a Nick Cave cover band, which we never did. So true. that was Hell our yeah. first project together. This is our second, <laughs> and it's actually happening. <laughs> I learned I learned two Nick Cave songs. Well, Chris taught them to me. Yeah, he was so a, there, Chris he was is a very also diligent involved. teacher. But yeah, he was also involved. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So everything comes full circle. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, so Allison's our first guest who is not actually in the room with us, mm-hmm. which maybe you'll be able to tell by the sound. I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so yeah, Reality Bites. How do we describe it? I mean, it. I feel like it doesn't have like a plot that you can describe in easy notes. Like it's basically just a 20-something Gen Xers trying to find themselves and after graduation. Kind of what it is. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I would say that's accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And apparently, when it, they were writing it, Gen X hadn't been coined as a term, so they were calling them what baby busters or something. <laughs> that's what they said in the special features. Oh, yes. I read that, um, or Ethan Hawke said that, like they were going to call the movie yeah, uh, the the real world but the real right. world came out like so they as ch- they were working they were on it, yeah. it so they had to call it reality bites which is actually better but oh i didn't know that yes yeah reality uh, bites is much better though now it's used so much like when i was trying to like search the terms reality bites you get a lot of just stuff about reality tv uh, I probably because it is a name of a movie, people use it in headlines a lot <laughs> for other yeah. things, but yeah, it seems like it's a lot of stuff. So yeah. Um, what do you guys remember about the first time you watched this movie? 
Um, it was the first time I realized that Winona Ryder was like the coolest. It was just like, I remember calling my cousin and telling her that I watched this movie and I was like, didn't you find it so cool? Like, wasn't it just the movie? Like, I don't know. I just felt like, I don't know. I, th I thought it was so awesome. I just loved it so much. I showed it to everybody. What about you? Uh, I honestly don't really remember the first time I watched it. I like, I, all I remember is that I really loved this movie in the nineties. So probably I loved it the first time I saw it. If I continued to watch it a bunch of times and I think I kind of like, I don't know if I related to it. I feel like looking back on it, I feel like I did. And that's why I liked it so much. But like watching the movie now, I'm like, did I really? <laughs> I think it's how I thought I, I wanted to be in my yeah. 20s. Like I was like, we all wanted to be shitheads. Shitheads. <laughs> around. After, like I knew that I was just going to be a slacker, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Allison? Um, oh, my goodness. Um. The first time I watched it was absolutely on VHS, and um, I, honestly, I think I, I watched it in what is probably a very common triptych of movies that, like, other people watch them. I watched, like, Reality Bite, I, then I watched Days and Confused, and then I watched, I think, Empire Records, okay. all in fairly, oh. yeah, fairly close succession. So, and I know, like, commonly people associate reality bites with like singles or you know yes, like the gr yeah more like grunge era like on we movies like that yeah um yeah where like yeah there's like environmentalists and like men wearing high pants and <laughs> hairlines and yeah all that kind of stuff but uh yeah for some reason i associate those three movies together and i definitely was like Yo, in a million years when I'm 22, all of these, everyone in these movies is living like the ideal life. I guess Days and Confused is like high school, but even then, it felt like all of, all of these people were so distant from me and were achieving like this very distant idea of like almost adulthood that I was just like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I was like, this is crazy. They're walking down the street smoking cigarettes <laughs> and drinking coffee and yeah. talking about life. And now I watch it and I'm like, uh, yeah, I feel differently. Um, I'll leave it at that and we can talk more about it. But yeah, I, uh, so it, it was definitely one of those movies where I would say all the characters were somewhat aspirational at the time when I watched it, which I think, I think I must've been 13 or 14 around that the first time I saw it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It anyway. must've been like 14 or 15, I think when it came out. So yeah, that's probably around the time yeah. that I watched it. And yeah, I think, I think the aspirational aspect of it was like more exactly what Allison was saying. Like the drinking coffee, yeah. smoking cigarettes, walking around with your friends and like actually with your cool sort of friends that are in bands and like, you know, they're yeah. just like, I don't know. I want to say almost in the same way that like people looked at friends as aspirational, like, yeah. oh, my friends are in the same place and living in the same like building or whatever and like mm -hmm. hanging out together all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, you look at this and be like, like Seinfeld. I can, I can hang yes. out. Yeah. Seinfeld's <laughs> better than <laughs> Except they were in their 30s, right? <laughs> true, so you weren't true. looking at 30-year-olds as aspirational. 20-year-olds. Yes, you know. You could relate to a little <clears throat> bit more. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like it was also a rare, like, kind of generational coming-of-age story that had a female lead. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of those things 
are surround. It's true. They're guys, all like dudes, like John Cusack or something. But you know, yeah, Winona took the. Yeah, watching it now, I was sort of, um, you know, even though aspects of reality bites haven't aged, there's some some aspects that have definitely not aged well. Um, the fact that it is so centered on Winona Ryder and her experience and her like face and like, her, yeah, like the stuff that she's doing and. Um, it, it does feel if there's something about it that feels that sat very comfortably, like more than, you know, like say anything or yeah. Like the examples you guys were citing, um, it is nice to see a movie like this that has like a cool woman <laughs> like yeah. as its lead yeah. for sure. And that's kind of an evergreen aspect of it, I think. And like an imperfect woman, like, you know, who's just trying to like, it's kind of hustling to, you know, get by using her dad's gas card, you know, whatever, like, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of refreshing to see, like, someone who's just, you know, that real almost. I don't know if it was... Yeah, totally. Like, you know? again, the thing that people look back on it now and say, like, that Lindy West article from 2014, like, is, yeah, they're a bunch of shitheads, like, why did we ever want to be them? But... I don't know. There's something about the imperfectness of mm-hmm. them. The fact that they are like pissing each other off, but remaining friends and sort of just fighting through life that I still enjoy. Yeah. The watching grease, it now. the hair grease, the feel, you know, the director was the guy who directed, uh, the, sorry, the uh, director of photography. Okay. Um, I was like, the director was Ben cinematographer. <laughs> He's the one who did Revenant. Uh, oh. This was his first film. Reality Interesting. bites. Yeah. It seems like, like, just because I watched um, the film with commentary and watched a bunch of, like, the special features on the DVD, and uh, it seemed like everybody was basically in their 20s that, like, worked on this film. It was a lot of people's first thing. Yeah. The writer was, like, I think 20 when she started working on it. Yeah, and it was, I think it was, she was 24 when it was in, in theaters. Yeah, yeah. She wrote it on her, like, real-life experiences or whatever, and then Ben Stiller edited the script to make it more centered around Lelena and Troy, Ethan and Winona. Right. Um, him, he made it more of a love story, and I think right. the way she wrote it was more like an ensemble cast and each of them so and their struggle. Like yeah. Whatever. And Jean and Gruffle is probably the only one who's actually in their 30s. I think she was 31 playing a... 33 playing a 21-year-old, she said. Oh, interesting. Um, so she may have been one of the oldest people on set. Yeah, did you hear about her on set? She got fired? I did hear that she got fired. I, I read that. Um, I read, like, an oral history of the movie. There's one online. I forget. It's some article somewhere. And, yeah, she sounds like she has, like, mild power grapes about it. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I guess this is understandable because she got fired. But yeah. She, yeah, she was, like, I guess improvising too much, and it sounded like, like, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, I, I got the sense from reading the oral history that she thought because Ben Stiller was a comedian that the movie would be shot like a comedy film where there would be tons of going off the script. Yeah, because I think and she I, was having trouble with rehearsals. Um, yeah. And then, so Ben Stiller fired her, and then Winona kind of pushed for her to come back. Yeah, I heard that Winona pushed for her to come back, but uh, in the thing I read, Janine Garofalo said, like, I was bad at being on time for anything, so, like, I 
get why they fired me, but I'm yeah. glad I got to be in it. I don't know. But like also when they were talking, when the the like behind the scenes stuff that I was watching, they were talking about um, how they improvised a lot of stuff, but maybe it was more in rehearsals that they did all the improvising and then like came to lines through that yeah like i think when they're like winona was filming everybody like on camera with the handheld mm-hmm. camera that was all improvised or and ben Bensler told them to improvise like uh, i read some article in the guardian and ethan hawk said that like that song or at the beginning he's playing his guitar and he just recited a poem by um oh yeah yeah some guy what gregory corso, gregory corso. and then a the year later gregory corso was like uh, thank you for that. That gave me $17,000 and I was like destitute because he got the royalties. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. That's so nuts. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Interesting. And that was just like an improvisation <laughs> that led yeah. to that. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, the, I think one of the things they pointed out in the, when I was watching it with commentary was that, you know, the scene, this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie, when uh, Winona's character, Lilena, and Janine's character, Vicky, are in the diner and they're talking about how Vicky just like went to get uh, an AIDS test. Oh, the Melrose stuff. Place conversation. Yeah, <laughs> and then she says, I'm the Melrose Place character. Everybody's going to learn about AIDS from me and stuff and then I'll die and it'll be sad and everything. And then Winona was like trying to cheer her up and stuff, but then she goes, Melrose Place is it's a great really show. Good show. Yeah. Apparently she made that up. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it's a good improvisation. <laughs> it was. They're like, let's give her credit. She improvised that <laughs> So yeah, Ben Stiller. I uh <laughs> didn't I like I honestly haven't watched that many things with Ben Stiller. I don't think I gravitate towards him in any way. Um <laughs> and I think I forgot that like not not just before the rewatches for this. I hadn't forgotten that he was in it, but like definitely I watched it when it was like the 20th anniversary of it. Oh. And I was like, "Oh my god, it's Ben Stiller." And I think I didn't know he directed it either. That yeah, was like it was his a first, surprise. Yeah, it was his first. Um and the weird thing, and a lot of people seem to say this, is that when they watch Reality Bites in their 30s, they're like, Ben Stiller's not so bad. <laughs> like, I hated him when I first watched it, but then I rewatch it, and it's like, he doesn't seem so bad. Yeah. You don't, you don't agree. <laughs> I mean... Yeah. There's good parts and bad parts. Like when he's sitting in the car talking about how, you know, why he knows, he knows why the cage bird sings and stuff. I just want to smack him in the face. Absolutely. Peter Frampton. Apparently it was supposed to be Beck in the original script. Not Peter Frampton. But anyway, it made him so douchey. I just couldn't get over that part. But yeah, he was ultimately like more put together than Ethan Hawke. And it's funny. She has no resolution with his relationship. Like, Mm-hmm. The, his last scene is him and Ethan Hawke standing outside yeah. of that club, yeah. and Ethan Hawke's like, "Yeah, you're 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 just like a lap dog," and he's like, "Shut up!" And then it's <laughs> and then he just drops the the tickets. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, that's right. He drops the ticket. Um, yeah, and it's it's it's. I felt bad for him. I was like, "You're not. You didn't even get any closure." Yeah, (laughs) like you're just like, and it's not even clear if he understands that. um, Fuck, Ethan Hawke and Lelena, Troy and Lelena had sex. Like, I'm not sure if he gets it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he did. Though he does say. Like, Troy says, oh, something to the effect of, like, we all die alone anyway. And then he says, well, if you really think that's true, who are you out here looking for? So I feel like that 
gives you an idea that he at least knows that he like longs mm-hmm. for Lilena, even if he doesn't know that something happened yeah. between them. Right. And then, of course, Michael Grates goes on to make uh, <laughs> the, the, the TV show, TV based, show on... based on Reality Bites or whatever. Yeah, based on her movie. With yeah. Evan Dando. <laughs> that was one thing I had already forgotten. I had watched the movie again, like tw- at the 20th anniversary. So what was that? Like four years ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, like, I remembered that Evan Dando was in this and I was watching it and getting towards the end. And I'm like, am I just thinking like, I know Evan Dando's not in singles, but I'm like, am I thinking of singles? Like all the cameos of, grunge guys and that like am I just imagining that Evan Dando was in this because he feels like the right like, like look be or something yeah. and then the credits happen yeah. and I was like right I'm Audi 5000 so did you guys know the origins of the term Audi 5000 based on your thread on Facebook I, I think I, I can't I don't even remember what's what, what was did it? you know before or did you always think it was just from reality bites uh I didn't know where it was coming from I knew I had I figured it had to be some something that kids were using how about you allison did you have familiarity with the term audi 5000 sorry the term audi 5000 no no i (laughs) never never heard such a thing in my life Uh, so i thought it was made up for reality bites but it was i guess a hip-hop slang and it was Uh, audi 5000 it was like the car the car and it was like fast, I guess. Or something I read said that it accidentally sped up really quickly, like it was a defect in the car. <laughs> so anyways, whether it was purposefully fast or just was known legendarily to be fast by accident, it was a term people used to be like, I'm out of here real quick. I'm getting out of here. Uh, Audi 5000. I'm Audi 5000. Which then? Yeah. Um, I use Audi bring- 5000 still. What's that? Yeah, I, I was going to. I still use it. we bring it back? I mean, yeah, bring it back. Yeah. Share it. Share it with the world. Let's share it. Say it all the time. I'm Audi 5000. I love it. I liked it. Yeah. I am kind of sad that it didn't just come from this, though. Like, as much as I respect that it had a history of its own, I like it when, like, some piece of pop culture that you enjoy originates some term that everybody says. But anyways, what can you do? (laughs) Do you know that yeah. Winona got a lot of shit for smoking so much from like there were she people, smoke a lot. people like wrote petitions, like teenage girls th- about like, you know, people smoking on screen and stuff and how it's bad influence. And uh, they used targeted her for reality bites. And she was uh-huh. like, you know what? I watched bogey smoke cigars. It didn't make me want to like, con- you know, chain smoke cigars or whatever constantly or whatever. It wasn't a thing for me. I think kids can make those decisions on their own it's not gonna be one up to one celebrity to make them start smoking it definitely dates it in a way like that you can realize that if you watched the same movie that was made now there's a lot of things that would be different Mm -hmm. but that's one of them yeah she's smoking in the cafe they're just like casually smoking he's smoking in the hospital which i mean in the background (laughs) there is a no smoking sign yes but he's doing it anyway yeah yeah, I love a good hospital smoke in a movie. Like, <laughs> it's always very shocking. You're yeah. just like, oh my god! Like, what? What world is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's crazy. <laughs> what? Um, what are your guys' favorite parts of this movie? Oh, there's so many. Oh god, there are so many. I feel like yeah, the the scene I mentioned already with Janine Garofalo and Winona in the diner. Yeah, it's a sweet scene. Like yeah. 
It's a sweet scene. And then even when she gets the phone call from Michael and then they're just in the booth like, whoa, you're getting paged in the yeah. diner. This is weird and funny. Like, mm-hmm. She's like, That's yeah. That's just enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, hee hee yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just love them I like, together. I like, yeah, because we've all like had that moment with a friend in a diner. I yeah. think that's why it's so relatable. Because <laughs> well, you're not that you same age. <laughs> but like that same like what? Like with the, you know, just right. kind of funniness. With friends. Yeah. And I think that captures it really well. Like, they just look like friends, you know? Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, Just, like, Janine Garofalo's lines in the whole movie were amazing. Like, you know, uh, I'm late late for the jeans folding seminar. Let's locomote. Yeah. (laughs) That's also a great one. (laughs) Um, There were a couple other... They used the R word three times in the movie. They do. And that was a, obviously a dated thing, but yeah, yeah, it's hard to say those. Yeah, don't boger at that can, man. That was a good one. Yeah, but then Ethan Hawke was like, you know, oh right, yeah. The response. The response is bad. The other scene that I really like, I think I like everything that involves Janine Garofalo. I think we've both <laughs> determined that this is our favorite things, but um, I liked when they're being filmed, I guess, by Lilena and they're acting out how uh, Steve Zahn, let's say, Sammy oh, yes. is going to like come out to his oh, mom. Oh, flag. <laughs> I'm beginning to like the sound of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then they take a bow. So, so good. good. Yeah, that scene is so good. Janine Garofalo is fucking hilarious. Like yeah. the, the whole movie, she everything, every line, she nails it. Uh, and when she, I, I was like, oh, you know, I've seen this movie a lot. You know, there's nothing that will surprise me. But when she addresses Winona Ryder, when she's all in the dumps and is like, you're in the bell jar. I, I laughed and like <laughs> almost fell off the bed. Like I was like, ah, that's such a good line. <laughs> like it is. Yeah. The delivery is so, it's so good. And it's yeah. such a, yeah, it's just a really good line. I realized when I started playing the movie that I have the entire movie memorized Oh my gosh. I've seen it so many times. Yeah. I've seen it more than any other Winona Ryder movie, guaranteed. And I was with Meeps, who wasn't sure if she's seen it or not. What? Yeah. And then she didn't get like ref- certain references. Like, yeah, there are a lot of references. Like the, you know, when he goes, yeah, now with Drive Weave, Drive yeah. Weave even pulls moisture away. She doesn't rem- know that commercial, the always commercial. How? Did you miss that? Because she, she was she was a baby. So like, how old is Meeps? <laughs> she's born in eighty nine. Whoa! Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I know, and that's that's deep into Winona's career. So. Yeah, that is. Yeah, but um, you know, it's fun to show these films to her and yeah. see those reactions. Like, what? Right? Yeah. If you're like only becoming aware of the world in the nineties <laughs> as a baby, yeah. then yes. Yeah, because, I mean, there's a lot of references that aren't just 90s references. They're, like, references from their childhood. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, 70s references. Yeah, like, Conjunction Junction yeah. and all that Schoolhouse Rock all their stuff. their TV yeah. Good Times, like, playing that Good Times game. Yeah. <laughs> good Times. Yeah. Which I have to say, I didn't really, I wouldn't have been I able didn't to know. play that game. I didn't watch Good Times, so I don't know. Yeah, but they, but you could tell, like, game. they were. It was enjoyable. Yeah, it was a show they, they enjoyed. Um... There was one line where uh, Steve Zahn goes, you know, I don't see why this moment has to be memorized. Right. And I was like, well, they couldn't say Kodak. It couldn't be a Kodak moment. <laughs> I think it's because there was, it must have been a copyright or something. Well, but is Memorex Memorex like, is like specifically the specifically a video? I thought it was 
cassette. Oh. Yeah. So he was like memorized instead of right. Kodak moment. Yeah, yeah. Because she was videotaping it. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's confusing. <laughs> so I think it was just because <laughs> what a product placement or something they couldn't use it. Um, there was a lot of product placement in this film. There was. There's like a huge list somewhere I, that I found. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And the big gulps alone. Yeah. So many, so many goddamn big gulps. <laughs> yeah. And even yeah. just like a whole conversation about the big gulps, mm-hmm. and uh, which I found weird. Like, I'm sure it's whatever. It's like, oh, this is, you know, two people getting to know each other, having like a conversation about something as like innocuous as a big gulp or whatever and what it means to them, which sure, you can enjoy that. But when you're listening to what they're saying, which I guess like back then I didn't care what they were saying, but when she's saying like, you can get all your nutrients from this, you just drink, you know, this all day, I'm like, that's, <laughs> I mean, like, just not true. Yeah, that's pat- patently untrue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, Chris, yeah. Chris just showed me an article. It just said like, despite Winona's, you know, anti-capitalism speech at the beginning of the film the whole movie is like the gap bmw yeah pizza hut Domino's. they said that the gap rolling rock beer is <laughs> they said this was the first time the gap let itself be the gap in oh. something oh wow yeah i love when janine <laughs> graffalo is instru- is like with serving her customer and she's like oh yeah the sleeves roll them right up liberating isn't it <laughs> she's just like <laughs> she's just so amazing <laughs> It's funny that, like, it, I feel like this movie was was created and it, it became positioned as it was, like, the as the voice of Generation X or whatever, like, one of these emblematic movies. And it, it sits in a funny way for me because, yeah, it seems like it's anti, you know, it's kind of sitting in the... Uh, it's almost like these kids are skirting, like, the Halonids VXC ad busters era you know what i mm-hmm. mean like where people made zines and were anti-corporate and very like making poetry and you get like inklings of like that kind of diy vibe a little mm-hmm. bit but yeah as you guys mentioned like there's a lot of product placement um it's like it's, it, it is what it's resisting yeah and i i wonder what gen like did you guys hear anything on the commentary about what Gen X audiences thought of the film? Like, did they think it was overly precious? Oh, yeah. Or... They, they thought, yeah. like, it looked... You know how, like, Winona's documentary in the film was all destroyed? They felt like that. How that's the film itself. I think that's what Winona yeah. said in an interview oh, or something. Like, Winona, they yeah. felt that as they were making it, that, yeah. like, the movie itself was getting messed up in the way yeah. that, yeah, her, her thing in the film did. Yeah, I wonder, like... Yeah, There's one thing where like they were like trying to order Domino's and when I said, you know, the odor, owner of Domino's something supports about, an anti-abortion group. Yeah. Yeah. And then Janine's like, nobody gives a shit. We're starving. Yeah. But like that was the only like the only little hint of like that they have. Well, yeah, yeah that in the valedictorian <laughs> speech yeah. that went off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. BMW thing. And... I mean, I feel like it's because it, it was a um, studio like mm-hmm. yeah they needed funding and the what happened was uh, they weren't getting funding because singles had like just come out and, and it flopped well. yeah and they were like we don't know so this is gonna be another one of these things yeah so they they like needed money and then Ben Stiller was like well, we'll do product placement but uh, yeah I mean I think it Winona in the interview that where she said that thing about it 
turning into the meta kind of yeah. itself. She said, like, but that's what happens when you have a movie star in your movie. So she was referring to herself, herself like yeah. you not you can't do like a real indie with me in it, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, Cause she'd be good in one. Do we, do we ever encounter one or is she like full studio person throughout the rest of her career? Well, night, night on, on earth, earth before. Feeling, yeah. But, but she was like going a forward piece of that. I don't know. Was boy, what is boys? Boys is something weird. Yeah. But I don't know what boys is. We'll find out when yeah. we get there. <laughs> What I was going to say about Janine Garofalo is that, can you imagine that she, that character was almost going to be Gwyneth Paltrow? Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I saw that. Weird. Like, yeah, right? Doesn't even make ah. sense. <laughs> it's horrifying to think I, of. There was someone else Yeah, too. I don't like it. Um, I'm very glad that didn't happen. I don't know that this would be the same. I mean, any, any change would have made it a different movie, but. And um, yeah, it was uh, Winona who pushed for Janine Garofalo because it was going to be, either going to be, um. Gwyneth or Anne Heche and somebody else. It was uh, maybe I. I don't know how old is Anne Heche. I feel like she seems Parker Posey, right? Which I can see, right? And and uh, Janine Graffalo said I was actually the most famous of all those people at that time. Like they just hadn't taken off yet. (laughs) So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting because then Winona goes on to be like best friends with Gwyneth Paltrow for like a couple years until <laughs> right the betrayal. This, right, the betrayal was that the Shakespeare in Love was that a yeah, betrayal? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, a, well, I mean, there was a whole lot of stuff about that. Um, oh, yeah. See, I don't yeah, know the why, behind the scenes. There was why like, did, why did they stop being friends? So. The script for Shakespeare in Love was sent to Winona, but Winona was out of town filming something and Gwyneth was, had just broken up with Brad and was staying with Winona and saw the script, read it, and auditioned for it and got the part. And <gasps> Oh, yeah. It wasn't even for her. Ooh. And Gwyneth got that Oscar for it. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that's MTV rough. Deathmatch? Or I think that's what it was called. Was it a... It was like, like claymation? claymation. Yeah. They did a Gwyneth and Winona one brutal (laughs) (laughs) yeah because didn't they date see this is such a weird thing to read about because i missed out on winona dating what's his name matt damon matt damon i think i only just found that out a few years ago (laughs) yeah they dated and i I don't remember the timeline but they dated and they were engaged what yeah and then matt damon did something weird with like invested some of her money somewhere weird and then it it ended Oh my god! Wow, <laughs> that's so weird. There's but that some... was also a Gwyneth thing because Gwyneth was dating the. Oh, is, why can't I think of their names? Ben Affleck. Oh yeah, so yeah. the Ben and Matt and yeah, yeah. So they were partners in that. But during this film, Winona was dating Dave Perner of Soul Asylum, right? And Who he's in, a, in the it. background of a scene, and I can never, I could never really make out his line. He says something so much. You kissed your husband's ass. Yeah, but I that's all I, I hear. wanted to put on subtitles to figure out what he said. Yeah, I could. I don't know. Mm. But anyway, but Ben Stiller said <laughs> it was weird doing kissing scenes with Winona because her boyfriend was right there on set, and so that I guess was Dave Perner. Yeah, yeah. They were together for a long time. Oh yeah. Yes. Interesting. In two of his albums, he thanks her. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was. She's around for at least two of his albums. Interesting. And he. Th- um. Oh, go ahead. What other rock and roll guys? Do, this is just becoming me asking you guys Winona Ryder trivia. Uh, what <laughs> other fine. rock and roll guys did Winona Ryder date? 
she dated well Johnny Depp I guess is sort of a rock and roll guy sure um, uh, someone from the Strokes uh, did she date someone from the Strokes I don't did think I make that so up? Okay. she dated maybe you know Ryan things. Adams oh. yeah I was, maybe that's who I'm thinking of yeah and yeah I was th- I think it's just Ryan Adams like I think yeah. she dated a lot of musicians yeah um, but, uh, she said in an article, she goes, everybody always talks about how I date only date mus- musicians, but like I've dated like computer scientists and things like that, but they're not cool. So nobody talks about the, <laughs> you know, they only talk about the people they know that right. are popular. The guy she's with now is what? A fashion designer? Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like she's been with him for a long time. Interesting. So how good do you think Lilena's movie was or would have been? Because we never saw it, right? We saw the cut up that the like faux MTV yeah, did. Yeah, we just saw clips of it um, that she showed to Grant. Good morning, Grant. Yeah. Um, do you think it would have been good? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I, I feel like it would have been... But it meant been... something to her. <laughs> it, yeah, it meant something to her. I, it's funny because I was like listening... I was looking at the version that she hates, and I was like, this is actually, like, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of terrible, but it's also, like, pack- packaged really well. Like, yes. it could, like it, it could be it, good. It very much looks like an MTV, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. bad. but there's also some moments of poignancy, and her critique to, to him afterwards, like, she's like, he's like, they just made some edits, and she's like, why did they make any edits? And, like, I was like, that movie in its original form would have probably been interminable. Like it would have right. been like a yeah. super talky. Yeah. It, I think it just would have been. And she was, talky. she's like 23. It, what does she know? Like she doesn't like, I mean, honestly, like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah she hasn't edited had like, anything. You know what I mean? Before. Yeah. This is her first yeah, documentary. She hasn't done anything just, yet. And she does clearly doesn't have that good, like cinematography skills or anything. She's yeah, just like the, uh, the editing shaky yeah. video camera. Yeah, I, I agree that it wasn't that bad watching it. Like, I get what her problem was with it, but I almost felt like, isn't this just a promo for it? Like, is this actually how it's going to run? Is it just going to be bits where they're yeah, like, like they're going to get into it? Yeah. yeah. So I felt like it, she overreacted. Yeah, she really did. And then to just run away for Ethan Hawke instead of like, not to say she should have stayed with Michael because she wanted to make money on her work, but like... <laughs> He seemed like he was willing. Sorry, there is a deleted scene where he's like, uh, like they sit together and actually get cl- this closure oh. of their relationship. But he says, like, I want to, like, still, I think we should still work together on things and stuff. And I just feel like, I don't know, like, I feel like she should have tried to do something else with the movie. I don't know. Maybe she took it elsewhere. Who knows? Yeah. But. Or like she should have just like kept a business relationship with Michael and yeah. then said, hey, like, maybe this is going to work out, but maybe you can want to like, you know, pursue this career with me and, you know. But yeah. Nope. She seemed like, okay, now I have to focus on Troy. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. At the end of the movie, not to <laughs> jump to the end, but like, we'll jump all over the place. Um, There... In the apartment, and there's boxes everywhere. Yeah, and I'm like, are they moving? Yeah, they don't say. What's going on? I guess they're moving. <laughs> I guess so. Also, I yeah. didn't notice this, but they have patches on there. Like they have the pa- the patch. Like they're trying oh. to get over. They're trying to stop smoking. Ah. Oh, I never noticed that. Yeah, that I only noticed oh. that because the, <laughs> the uh, writer did the commentary, and she said that they never mentioned it, but they're both wearing the patch. 
Good for them. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Let's conclude this by giving them the, the patch. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jeannie Graffalo said that for the My Sharona scene, she got drunk. She had vodka in her freezer in her trailer. She got drunk beforehand. It helped, she said. I mean, her dancing is the best thing about that scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Sammy. When Sammy gets into it and starts doing that weird, like, bobblehead thing, he's he's great. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, it's an iconic scene of the movie, but it's it's still one of my favorites. I don't care. I don't care if it's a well-known one. (laughs) It's it's a good one. Oh, yeah, I love it. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you yeah, have any favorites? Yeah. Do you have favorite scenes, yeah. Allison? Oh, do I have a favorite scene? Um, yeah, I like, um, I love the Beldar scene. Uh, and yeah, I like, um, what else? Um, what else do I like? I quite, I kind of like, it's kind of obnoxious, but I do like that montage where, Winona Ryder is talking to the psychic for a really long time. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the chain and she's smoking. Like, she's chain smoking, and she's just like, she start, She ends up, like, giving advice to the psychic. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you should stay with Brad. Yeah. Monty. Monty, you should get back with him. Yeah. And, it, like, it's a bit, you know, it's like the whole scene. I I feel like the problem for me with this movie is that it's, it's some. It's a bit. Oh, it's both overwritten and underwritten. Yes. In certain parts, and that scene is definitely like. It's a bit. Again, it's like a bit precious, but um, it's yeah, girl Winona who like really sells the scene for me because she's so. She, I feel like she just. Um. It, it, I forgot like what a naturalistic actor she is. Like her reactions to things seem quite genuine mm-hmm. and not not always super actorly and i yeah i found in that scene i liked that she's just like oh you know she's kind of like being over the top and she's obviously like the character's in such a terrible place but mm-hmm. like i just like that she committed to this long like like ridiculous conversation with the psychic yeah I, yeah, yeah i don't know why i like it <laughs> it's not like a particularly great scene but yeah i just like the idea of like there's we something the sincere about it, yeah. Yeah, that's another yeah, view into her sincere. character. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. That psychic is Ben Stiller's sister. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and his mom's in it, too. Oh. She's one of the, the, uh, the last interviews she goes to when she does those three interviews oh, with Andy that's Dick. Ben and, uh Yeah, the woman that works at the newspaper. That, that made her define her irony. Yeah, <laughs> that's his mommy. And uh, Renee Zellweger is in it uh-huh. at the beginning. That's a thing I totally didn't notice until I rewatched it like same. four years ago. I had to re like I was like, where is Renee Zellweger in this? <laughs> See, I didn't know she was in it when I was watching it that time, and then oh. I was like, wait a second, that's Renee Zellweger. There's so many little celebrities in here, like Andy Dick and David Spade, and oh yeah, whoever else, all those guys. Yeah, there's probably more. <laughs> all those people. Um, the screenwriter's sister was almost in it. Oh. She played, actually, she kind of is in it. She's in a picture. You know when Winona's being interviewed about her family and she shows the family picture? Patty. Her, her sister. Oh. Is actually the screenwriter's sister. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. 
Yeah. She had a, like, she had scenes and everything. There's deleted scenes of her, and she's in, like, rehab for alcoholism or something like that. And so, yeah, it's very, it's upsetting stuff. Yeah. Her and the family. So, yeah. Anyway. There was one line that I, I always hate when I watch this movie where Winona is watching Good Morning Grant and she goes, this is so cheesy, I can't watch without crackers. But I'm like, that line is the cheesiest line <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Who says that? That's the overwritten stuff that yeah. Allison's talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's very, there's a couple lines like that that are quite um, self-conscious. And unfortunately, I felt it also in um, Ethan Hawke's speech. Yes. To, I can't, Troy's speech to Lelena. Yeah. At the end. At the end. Like I was, mm-hmm. Yeah, when he's, what did he say? He's like, got a planet of regret. Feels like a regret, yeah. Yeah. Like, and I was just like, oh, dude, like. He has a lot of moments like that, I think. Like, there's a. There's one where he's being interviewed by Lilina on the camera and he's like by the water or something. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember what he says, but it's stuff about his family relation dynamic or something. My dad brought me out here, showed me the seashell. Oh, yeah. It's empty. And I realize that's, that's, there's it. There's no meaning to any of this. Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) That's cheesy. Yeah. I think he gets most of those like overthought lines because he is supposed to be like a couch like philosopher or whatever. Yeah. But uh, so I guess it works, but it's really grating. <laughs> uh, he wrote that song, uh, Nothing, that he's singing. Nothing. Yeah. Right. Me see I'm nothing. That's on, that was on the soundtrack. I yeah. remember listening to it a bunch. I'm so sure was uh, Juliana Hatfield, incidentally. Uh huh. So good. Mm-hmm. Uh, spin the bottle. The spin right? the bottle music video had the whole cast minus Winona, oh. plus Scott Thompson. Yes, I remember Scott Thompson <laughs> being in it. I actually uh, one of the first times that I met. I'm a big Juliana Hatfield fan. One of the first times that I met Juliana Hatfield, mm-hmm. I asked her if she met Winona. Or like, why was, oh, I think it was like, why wasn't Winona in that video? And mm-hmm. she didn't know. She's like, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> She's why. like, I didn't cast I it. Don't <laughs> it just I, don't I don't think they've ever met. Or maybe they have through Evan Dando. Johnny Depp. Anyway. Who knows? This is just my own obsessions <laughs> spilling out. Yeah. Well, the overwritten thing that we're talking about, uh, the writer said that she finds it kind of hard to watch. Like, there's certain scenes she's like, I have to tune out now. I can't handle this. Like, there's the scene where uh, Troy brings home a girl from a bar and then Winona and him start yelling yeah. at each other. And she's like, I can't. Oh, it's too awkward. <laughs> I can't but I do like when Janine Graffel goes, hey, we're just trying to pay the bills around here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's, like, yeah. <laughs> she's amazing. Uh, See, like, that's Whoa, it. it's way too psychotic let's just you know let's take a walk you know she's just like it's the two main characters that are overwritten like er, like yeah. sammy and uh vicky like we don't get enough of them mm-hmm. and that's what makes them great because they didn't overdo them they're mm-hmm. just like peripheral characters um that get good moments yeah steve zong's scene after he uh comes out to his mom is really very affecting it really and, is um, yeah like he's so broken out he's such a good actor and i'm i'm just i was like oh man i wish there was more of him but yeah as yeah. you guys said 
perhaps it's good that we only get like these tantalizing glimpses because maybe it would just be it would just yeah. be too much. Like I don't know. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But somehow, I mean, I I don't know. Do, do you remember those things bothering you when you watched it when you were like? 12 or 13 or 14 like no nah didn't bother me what did bother me is when ethan hawk uh opens his snickers bar with his teeth i know i'm like how do you do chocolate bar wrapper like that that's not that's not a thing he's just doing that for the camera yeah that was yeah no one no one does that nobody does that no one has ever eaten snickers bar like that yeah (laughs) yeah that's such a movie thing like yeah trying to look cool or something now did you remember this was this took place in Houston? Yeah. You did? Yeah. How about you, Allison? Uh, no, no, I did not. I thought it took place in L.A. Yeah, I would have thought California yeah. somewhere. The only reason I know is yeah. because I've seen it so many times, and right. I remember that Winona's, the, when they make that f- fake, whatever, the, the film the thing. The film thing. Stuff, yeah. It shows location, Houston. Yes. I was like, oh. So it always I always remembered that. But yeah, I wouldn't know because they kept going to New York. Like, I got tickets to New York, to Nick's to tickets to Chicago so I was like where are they but yeah, yeah. Houston out of I, all places. I was like trying to watch it this time around with intention of figuring out where it was and it wasn't until that scene where they're like showing Houston Texas or whatever I was like that's where they are oh, I don't know where they actually filmed it if they actually filmed the it the exteriors they filmed in Houston oh, okay. but the interiors were filmed on like a sound stage in LA ah, okay yeah their apartment seemed nice. It was a nice apartment they had. Pretty I think good. that's the other reason to like this movie. <laughs> Just be like envious of like cool apartment. Mm-hmm. These people make $400 a week and they can afford this apartment. Yep. And like everything's fine. And he doesn't work and seems to be okay. Seems and to be quite fine. And loses her job and as depressed as she is about it, everything still seems to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's the friend's effect. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Early version. Like, how do you yeah. afford your places in your lifestyle? Yeah. I think it's called white privilege. Yes. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. You're right. I think yeah. I thought that a few times during this. Those words yeah. came to mind. Are there, are there any movies from this era that... See, I'm going to show my ignorance here, but are there any movies from this era where there that feature a person of color, like, even in the cast? That isn't, like, like, a movie that is all, like, an all-black cast or something like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. that isn't, like, a John Singleton movie or something like that. Right. I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> I, think so. I honestly am not qualified to answer. But I... I don't know. I yeah, did think I that, too. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Apparently, the U2 song that is in this... Oh, God. <laughs> They got because Winona's friends with Bono. Yeah, that's this is the worst part of it. This is the biggest, the only flaw Winona has. I can see the look on your face when I was starting to say it. You're like, no, no, don't tell the world. Yes, she's a big YouTube fan. It's really upsetting. Interesting. Yeah. But she also likes Tom Waits and, and, and the replacements and. Paul Westerberg, but there's like lots of <laughs> things that make up for it, maybe. Uh, too funny. I loved Vicky's bedroom. That was another mm-hmm. big part of this that I loved and could would have liked more of. <laughs> we only saw a glimpse of it. 
I think I could relate to Vicky too. Like she walked around with the lunchbox as like a purse. That Vintage was so dresses, me. dresses yeah. and stuff. I remember like being in high school and my friends were like, "Yeah, Vicky style is everything." It really it was. But I when Vicky. I was a teenager, Winona's style in the movie totally influenced me. Like completely. I think I actually wrote a blog about it once years back. But it was just how like you know just you know wearing a ratty old t-shirt and jeans looked cool and i was like this is a look that i can pull off yeah. um, you know just like black ray-bans like i would really just i just kind of like took that style um her collared shirts were kind of cool like i don't know her little short pants i liked her style mm-hmm. <laughs> i still kind of anyway so does it hold up for you watching it I think it in a different way. Like I, I see, I see it differently now than I did when I was a kid. But I still liked it. I really enjoyed it. Did you? I feel like when I watched it four years ago, it didn't hold up, and I was sad. Mm. But when I rewatched it for this, I was like pleasantly surprised that <laughs> I was like now I don't know come around to the nostalgia for it or something mm-hmm. again, and um. It didn't bother me as much that they were. I just thought Winona was so good. Like there was such, like it was just the role was like meant for her, obviously. But like it was just she was so good in it. And it, I don't know. I was just really impressed by her. This, this viewing. I haven't seen in a really long time since yesterday. Yeah, (laughs) yesterday. How about you, Allison? Um, it like half and half. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but yeah, I sort of had a similar experience to you, Lindsay. When I last watched it, which would have been a couple of years ago, I was like, wow, this movie's aged horribly. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't understand why it tells in such... Like, I was like, this movie's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think it's because the contrast of when I first watched it, you know, and you you think everyone's so cool. And then, you know, the, the hindsight of age and all that sort of thing... Um, yeah, you sort of see, I mean, you see it as a 30-something person watching 20-year-olds, you know, goof around. Like, of course, of course, things are going to seem a little bit silly. Um, so I think there's, yeah, I think there's, like, definitely a natural sense of, you know, this is a really great movie to see when you're a teenager, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe at a very specific time. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, when I saw it, I was in my early 30s, and I was just like, oh, my God, like, these people... <laughs> What problem? I don't understand these problems. And then um, watching it, you know, I watched it a couple days ago. And um, especially after reading a little more about it online and realizing how young everyone was and how, you know, especially how seriously Ben Stiller took the whole thing and um, how everyone, like, was friendly and supported each other, I really softened toward it. Um, And I think think it does have some importance as sort of uh, an artifact of of the 90s and sort of like the optimism in some ways it made me sad to watch it too you know because mm-hmm. of the way the world is now yeah, yeah it's it's very it's sweet like there's parts of it that are so optimistic um and you know written with a bit of the naivete of of, of like a 20 year old as well which is kind of a beautiful thing yeah um so there was definitely a feeling of wistfulness for me as well yeah I think that's probably why I came back around to it as well. Yeah. I called it nostalgia, but I think <laughs> you put it better. 23-year-olds three-year-olds today are not the same, the millennials. 
They're very, you don't think so? I, I don't know enough 23-year-olds to know. There's, 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 there's a couple of people I work with that are, that oh. are young. They're young. I mean, you can't judge all 23-year-olds based I, I, on the ones I that am. you work with. They're very different. <laughs> they know nothing. No, sure. Uh, <laughs> I mean, of course, like everybody comes up in a different age with different things happening. So they're going to be different. No, no, no. I'm just saying you're right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, no, I'm just saying the, the 23-year-olds of today versus the 23-year-olds of the 90s right. maybe have different, similar but different uh, struggles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, clearly, I don't know what Houston's, like, uh, economy is like these days, but, like, coming up in Toronto as a 23-year-old now, you'd be like, woo, it's expensive. I don't know what, I mean, it it was the 90s, so yes, it was less expensive, (laughs) but um, now, I don't know. I don't know how it compares to Toronto. (laughs) But yes, it is the Friends effect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nice apartments, no money. (laughs) A nice apartment that they're apparently moving out of at the end. Why? That was nice. Um, in that Lindy West article that I mentioned from Jezebel from 2014, uh, she calls Troy a petroleum jelly dipped turd. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she really came down on it and then was like, but I still love it at the end. There's but. one shot where it looks like Ethan Hawke and Winona's hair are the same. Like they have the same haircut from the side. Just is it when they're having greasy. sex and it's, you can only see their hair for a I, Maybe, maybe it's then. But yeah. I felt like it was the same color. Yeah. <laughs> same like grease consistency. <laughs> yeah, his hair was really greasy. Which I guess was a thing that people liked at that time because I certainly did. <laughs> yeah. The whole time Meeps was just like, I can't tell if Ethan Hawke is attractive or not. That's like that's the whole the whole movie. Like <laughs> yeah. no one really knows. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's the plot of the movie is yeah. figuring out if you think Ethan Hawke is attractive <laughs> or not. Apparently there's a guy out there named Troy Dyer. Yes. Who she asked, like the the screenwriter asked if she could use his name and she says he said yes, but then later he sued her. Mm-hmm. What? For they were friends. <laughs> and she thought oh, he would have no problem with it because he, she wrote him like completely opposite of how he is. Yeah. But he ended up becoming a lawyer and suing her. <gasps> he became a lawyer? Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, no wonder he sued her, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had the means to do so. That's nuts. Like, for defamation, like... Sorry, you're probably not the only Troy Dyer out there. And, like, it seems so weird that he got away with that. But. Yep. Uh, cool. Did you guys have any other thoughts about the film that came up in a rewatch? Hmm. Um, I feel like I have other weird, like, random facts in my notes. Uh, the screenwriter was the um, waitress in the scene where uh, Ben Stiller and Winona go out on their first date. She, oh. she like, clears their place. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing. Um. I think for me, um, you know, knowing the context of Winona Ryder's career when this movie was made, like, I know she was coming off Beetlejuice, and uh, Edward Scissorhands, and she was, like, a big deal. Um, 
I think the fact that she, from everything I read, it seemed like she was completely wonderful on the set. Like she was so down to earth and she like advocated to bring so many people in. Like, as you said, Mm -hmm. guys said, she brought Janine Garofalo and I think she brought in Ethan Hawke too. Mm -hmm. Like she plucked him from somewhere and like, yeah, yeah, I just think to me, it's so emblematic that she is like, there were times I've seen her in like so many movies, but like, I was struck by, um, like, she's obviously so beautiful, but she she really exudes a very, like, natural... Yeah, she's just very naturally a compelling actress, and mm-hmm. it's, ni- it's, like, just really nice to see... Like, it, it really kind of shows, I think, that she's quite special, because I can't, I can't think of any other actor I've seen, like, recently or, or at that time or anything that, like, exudes quite what she has like she's very she's very distinctive um and yet completely unaffected mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's something that I kind of forgot about her and I was like oh like this movie is such a nice it's just such a nice showcase for that like it's it's yeah it was nice to watch yeah I think that's why it sticks with us all yeah. so much is like it's just an iconic Winona moment yeah where yeah she it just seems right like we just watched three movies where she's in these adaptations that are all at different like sort of period pieces or whatever and it was a weird slog i think through those movies (laughs) and (laughs) yeah and then getting into this was kind of refreshing even though like we just watched House of the House of the Spirits, and in it, I was like, "Oh, it's so weird to have her as an adult because she's been like a teen all mm-hmm. the time, and then she's like clearly an adult in that movie." And then in Reality Bites, she's kind of back to being like not a teen, but like a very adolescent adult. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know. It's just like she just feels right in that role. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There was in that article, Janine said that she brought her dad to the set, and her dad wanted to co- go because he heard that Winona Ryder was on the set, but he thought Winona Ryder was Winona Judd and he was hoping to see the Judds there. And then when he's like, this little person is Winona, like he was like, this little girl is the star. He's like, he was just like so baffled. And he thought he was so bored apparently on set. He's like, there's so many takes. (laughs) Well, I'm sure sets are boring (laughs) straight up. So fair enough. But that's so funny. This little person. That was one thing. So the John Mahoney whole storyline where she works at that um, Good Morning. What's his Grant. name? Grant. Yeah. Uh, thing. And so, yeah, John Mahoney plays Grant. And um, in that there's a scene where he's like, basically, he seems like he's trying to get rid of her the whole time. But he's talking to somebody else about like, I don't think I can handle looking at her pointy face anymore. Mm-hmm. And the... Uh, in the commentary, they said like they had to work really hard to think of what would be annoying about her to this guy. <laughs> like what visually about her would be, yeah, would bother him. And so, pointy face was the best thing. Pointy little do. face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm gonna use that one. <laughs> Get your pointy face out yeah. of here. I forgot when we were mentioning the best lines that uh, I wrote down. What's your glitch when uh, Ben Stiller <laughs> oh, says yeah. that? Oh, that was, uh, you know, it's not what I go around using, <laughs> but uh, there's it's something your glitch. There's something that's just, a, it, like, it is appropriate to his character in that <laughs> that yeah. time in uh, internet 
life. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> What's your glitch? Yeah, with his cell phone and his headset. Like, he's kind of, like, getting into the technology. Yes. Using the lingo, yeah. like, glitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it yeah. did seem right. And he's, like, the the best thing about his character for me was that um, every time he tried to talk to Ethan Hawke, mostly, he, like, could not find the words. He was no. always just, like... So you want to, you just want to, you just think you're just, like, you know, Mr. Guy with the bells and the hat, and, the, you know, you, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. can never say his words. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> It was perfect because Ethan like had the best words all the time, yeah. like to a fault, and yeah, it was good. So, what did we think of Ben Stiller as a director? <laughs> well, it seems, sounds like like all the moves that were made that were kind of made the movie not so great were because of Ben Stiller. <laughs> so, it's his fault. I blame Ben Stiller. Yeah. No, I don't know. He's fine. He must have done okay. Yeah. We enjoyed this we enjoyed movie, and film. it was his first one. So yeah. the YouTube monta- montage we could have done without, but yeah, it's okay. And could- stay by Lisa Loeb right at oh. the end. That was Ethan Hawke. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he's friends. He was friends with her. They were in theater class or something together. It was supposed to be an, uh, a Lemonhead song, but oh. they couldn't get the rights for some Which reason. Which is weird because Evan's in, the- in it. But Atlantic Records wouldn't give them the rights. Oh, right. So yeah, Lisa the... Loeb got stay. Et voila. And, and then the rest is history for her. I heard that Ben Stiller had to fight for stay and he gave them that Peter Frampton song. The studio wanted that. Because it wasn't by, like it was a cover. Mm. Um, and so he was like, fine, we'll use that if you uh, will use stay which only got played over the credits like why do you have to fight for something that plays over the credits yeah i know (laughs) seems odd um but apparently peter frampton was ben stiller's upstairs neighbor oh (laughs) it's just weird interesting (laughs) just weird coincidence anyway i don't know why i found out a lot of facts about ben stiller because i listened to the commentary and it was him and the writer oh yeah ellen your favorite movie is next yes little woman I don't know why I said it like that. Lay women. <laughs> I was going to say le petit femme. I don't know why I was going to say it in French. I mean, there's no reason. The little women. The l- little women. And I have never seen it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've probably seen oh it God. every year since it's come out, since 94. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. It is great. <laughs> it is great. I love, the book is great. And, yeah, I love her as Joe. Yeah. I'm excited for you guys to record that. That's going to be great. I'm excited to watch it. Yay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Allison, for joining yes, us. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, thanks for agreeing to call me and make me remote. Um, <laughs> no problem. Yeah, I hope every- you live down the street from me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. But we don't record at my house, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me, guys. This is really great. No problem. No problem. Yay. Cool. All right. All right. Tune back in for Little Women and make Rekka's life. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Bye. Winona Forever is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. Episodes produced by Chris Landry. Music by No Refunds. Hosted by Lindsay Gibb and Rekka Tulsaran. Contact Rekka and Lindsay at Winona at cageclub.me. What is your glitch, huh? My glitch?